1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. For a large chunk of these older episodes, I've had to cut the original intros as part of a migration process. So all that means is we're going to get straight into the interview here with the name that you clicked on no warm-ups, no preamble, just a straight one, two and in. You ready? One, two. Did you feel the British invasion as an American kid growing up listening to, you know, indie rock, punk rock?
2: You know, my sister always had, uh, Better, better taste in music than I did when we were kids, and she had formed a quite quite a bit of, uh, you know, uh, my taste when I was younger. And then, you know, as you do with your siblings, you try to tr- sort of break away from them, you know, and uh, and have your own world that you have some ownership in, you know, uh, and your own your own groups and things that you believe in. Uh, and when I was quite young, you know, the very first things that that my uh, father brought to me were basically uh, things like Sergeant Pepper and would lay Sergeant Pepper in front of me and go, you know, this is the only place for you to begin, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know with your exploration of music or whatever. And which is amazing when you're a seven or eight year old.
0: And that's quite a deep palette as a younger yeah
2: because it's it's you know it's a uh, like a it's a sonic cartoon of sorts you know it has it's just like it's so uh so good for a young child's mind to be able to kind of uh in you know create and envision what you know loosing the sky with diamonds is or or, or any of those or any of those songs. Um, and uh, just after that, my sister became when uh, oh God, I don't know how old we were, but she she got into the Kinks, and I remember uh, her telling me that Ray Davies was the smartest lyricist that was like living or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, something to that extent. And I just thought, oh well, that's you know, uh, I, I want to be associated with that is if this is the smartest man going, you know, like I want to, uh, I, I need to get on this tip, you know, and as you do with your siblings, I tried to sort of, uh, out love her, uh, <laughs> you know, on, on, the, with the, with the Kings and tried to love them so much that I would have, uh, you know, uh, ownership over, 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 that connection and be a little, have a little more knowledge than, than she did. And, you know, have, you know, pictures of Ray Davies on my wall and have the, and go, you know, and have the Dave Davies solo albums, like stapled to my walls or whatever. So to say like, you know, I'm I'm going so deep, I'm buying the guitar player solo albums and that that kind of stuff, you know. She had her like punk rock phase uh, and where she was wearing like these, you know, bright colored spandex and dyeing her hair crazy colors and listening to the Sex Pistols and The Clash. And, and, uh, and, God, other things at that time would have been like Adam and the Ants and Stray Cats. And it was all sort of, you know, meshed in, in together. Uh, with whatever her idea was w- of what rebellion was. Uh, and she had a, 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 I believe a Mustang that was painted neon pink or something, you know, and sort of trying to, you know, really, you know, with leopard skin spandex neon, you know, neon pink car, bright uh, bleached hair, you know, in some kind of, you know, faux hawk kind of uh, uh, situation or whatever. and. Uh, I didn't follow her down that path. I went down much more of the like path of Black Sabbath and uh, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and uh, all of that stuff in the beginning uh, to, to like, to create my own identity. And (laughs) I think she probably in some ways chose the better path and some ways not, you know, I mean, Geezer Butler was a a, like an influence on me that from when I was 14, 15, 16, that kind of manifested itself when i was like 23 24 25 26 playing bass with weezer or whatever it's
0: funny how it comes around a lot of that you know listening to sabbath and you know for for my generation it was nirvana you know you'd listen to them real early and you'd come back later on and be like wow this is still this is still new
2: yeah you know when when nirvana came around it's funny like or when that whole uh kind of movement came around there was so much uh black Sabbath in some of the, like, not necessarily in Nirvana, but in a lot of other things in Soundgarden and, and, uh, other groups that were coming out of, uh, you know, that movement. Uh, and I had spent like my, you know, 14, 15, 16, whatever, 17, you know, <laughs> those years of my life completely immersed in that, in that world. But so by the time that stuff came out, I was like, I can't believe everybody's getting so nuts about this. <laughs> like, I, you know, I did this as a kid or something like that. You know, even though I was still a kid when I was saying that, you know, I was probably uh, twenty-one or whatever when that was happening. But I remember feeling like I can't believe people think this is a revolution. Didn't isn't this sounds so much like something, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know? And I was at that point when that music was going on. I was sort of, you know, knee deep in 4AD and Cocteau Twins and uh, and Lush and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and Talk Talk, you know, and uh, and the more experimental side of Talk Talk.
0: Were you playing and, and writing at this point, guitar and bass?
2: You know, it's funny. I was talking to my girlfriend about uh, some of this last night, uh, is that I was just listening to a, a friend of uh, mine's um, son, who has, has is is uh, a musician, uh, and he's he's a young musician just getting started, and he's been sending me songs to you know get some feedback uh, uh, from me uh, about you know where I think he should take this or where he can improve or or, or whatever. And for the most part, I just give. Look for the things that are positive and just sort of try to uh, uh, focus on those, you know. Uh, and and the first one that he sent was something that uh, it didn't. It's it's something that I was like I was having such a hard time articulating. We were talking about this last night, having such a hard time articulating last night, and would have it probably the same now. Is that when you're first writing? Uh, the the, the the things that you're writing don't necessarily even sound like songs in the way that people understand them. You know, they're not abstract. Exactly. Yeah. They're not like a, an abstract kind of, uh, you know, Jackson Pollock painting or something, but they're just, they, they just don't, uh, they don't come across as the, something that you would interpret as like, Oh yeah, that's a pop song or that's just a, you know, whatever, whatever, or that's a, whatever style of music they're trying to write in, you know, it's, it's just like at that beginning period where you're trying to do things, but they just don't, you know, you have something in your head and it just comes out not, uh, Maybe it's coming out like you wanted to but it's you're not able to speak the language yet or something mm, mm. Uh, and so one of the first songs he sent was sort of like that and he just sent a second one uh, to me it took me a while to get to it and I listened to it and I, and you could absolutely hear the transformation of like oh yeah there's a thing you know there's a mm. there's a there's a voice and there's a, a character and something that and it came across to me in something that uh, felt real so at that point uh, when I was listening to, uh, you know, Spirit of Eden and Laughing Stock and um, and those kind of records and Cocteau Twins records and uh, whatever uh, you know, music from that point, the stuff that I was trying to write just wouldn't have been. Uh, it's it just wouldn't have been, <laughs> it wouldn't have been what I consider music. You know, yeah. It's just it was. You're trying to do things. You're trying to create things. Uh, you know. I remember like, like the, in that period, I can remember, <laughs> this is so, this is so random, but I remember a, a, uh, older woman that worked at this tennis racket shop, you know, and I had this, I was living in uh, Northern California out, just outside of uh, Berkeley university, you know, mm. and, uh, I had, I must have thought, oh, I, I should start getting some exercise and playing tennis or something. Went to this tennis shop, and this older woman that worked there was uh, could speak fluent German. I don't know how we got onto it, but she said, hey, I could speak fluent German. And <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to write a poem uh, for you to, like, recite in German, and then I'm going to, like, create some music that goes underneath it, you know? uh and that's kind of a good uh sense of like i you just don't know what you're just like searching around in the dark trying to uh to do it and i tried to create some sort of strings that sort of right trying to write some you know deeper uh metaphorical poem that she and I, I don't think we ever did it but i remember i did make the music for it uh and the thing was called a blanket i can remember that uh and it brought i that's all i remember but, you know, it would have been, it certainly wouldn't have had verses and choruses and yeah, melodies yeah. or whatever. Uh, but you just like, just in that kind of, um, in that sort of vast space of not being able to, uh, grasp something. And you, I don't know if it's even frustration because you just don't, you're just kind of, uh, just kind of searching around like, what is, what is this stuff? You know, mm-hmm. what, uh, and, uh. Anyways, so that's where I would have been years prior, one or two years prior to being in Weezer or whatever it would have been like that.
0: When you do find a a method or a a routine to write a song and, you know, you write one album, two albums for the third album, you want to do something different. Have you found that pretty hard to take yourself? Because, you know, everyone has their own way of writing songs and you have your way of writing songs. Have you found it hard to take yourself out of that?
2: This album that we're talking about now is like a, a perfect example to to answer that question uh this album uh that the that we're releasing at this uh, moment is called q36 uh and is uh an album that is is a double album and all the songs are bound together by science fiction and outer space themes and going into it Going into the like, the very initial writing of it, uh, I was in a rather uh, rough spot in my life. My father was uh, was ill, and. Uh, He had had like fallen ill and then and it was rapidly it was one of those things that life throws at you where it was rapidly becoming more dire with each prognosis from the doctors. You know, you have three years to live and then the next week it's all you have a year and a half to live and the next week. It's all you have six months and so forth until you get to the point where you're like, you better get on that plane, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, get to the hospital as soon as you can. That kind of thing. And the fallout after of it was all of this nasty uh, stuff with internal uh, strife within the family around his passing, and all the all of this. And so it was just a an, an ugly place. Through all of that, from the from the the beginning the beginning of his like first diagnosis of being sick to you know to through his passing. Uh, I started to you know turn to music to just look for a means of escape and when I first started writing I started writing in the exact like what you were saying you have your your approach the way that you have done things you know for for years and years in your life and just kind of picking up your whatever instrument or singing or just start singing a melody or whatever it might be about just a page torn out of your diary, you know, another, mm. uh, just a slice of your life. It could be a very simple thing. It could be, you know, going to the store. It could be whatever, it, uh, it is, or something about in your personal relationships or something. And in the midst of all this other stuff that was going on, I just was so right away after writing a, a few songs was just, or, or a few initial ideas was just so bored with my own story. So bored with my own process, so bored with just uh, that approach to to creating something, and so I stopped at that point, and you know whatever threw away those initial ideas, and gave myself just like a creative challenge of. Before uh, before I go into this next album or whatever it is that, that that I'll be creating, that I'm not I'm not sure at this in the in the moment what it is, that there will be only two rules. One rule is that you'll write fifty songs to start before you before you figure out where where you need to go, uh, and the other, and more importantly, would be every one of those fifty songs. Cannot start from you. Cannot be about your story. They have to be about something else. They have to be about somebody else's story. Oh, wow. They have to be uh, something that that interests you. That it doesn't have to. That it doesn't start with you know. I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling that mm. way. Uh, my woman left me. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever it is. All the all the 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 natural things that mo- most of us write about. You know. And I just thought that's going to be my challenge is just, just, you know, write about the things that don't, that don't start with, uh, yourself. And that's was absolutely the, the most liberating challenge I've ever given myself because you just start with the question, Oh, well, what am I interested in? And you start, you know, uh, you start from that point and it it was far more uh stimulating uh as far as just you know your, your as far as curiosity goes and and it i just ended up going down a million different rabbit holes writing about you know this thing or that thing or the other that or somebody else's story or a story that is just a little fable or something you know a, a little fictitious thing um and they didn't all they weren't all there was they didn't all take place in outer space uh but <laughs> there were quite a few of them probably i would say half of the 50 that had some had some uh, ties to, to to outer space or science fiction and then you can like Take that step back after you write a big uh, group of songs, and you—it's fairly obvious when you do that. Of like, oh, look at this. You know, there's what (laughs) this is. This is pretty fairly obvious that you keep coming back to these themes over and over again. Yeah. And uh, now with some distance, I I realize well, it's obvious why I was writing uh, in those themes was just because it was a, a further uh, means of escape to kind of get away from the, the ugly stuff that was going on in my, my real, my real life, my personal life, my family life. Uh, and you know, just that you'd found a way to get your boots, you know, off the earth and into outer space and, and somewhere else. And, uh, and that helped uh, helped me a great deal therapeutically and all of that kind of stuff. And it was like a, a lovely place to be. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it, it kept me in good spirits and it kept me, uh, you know, smiling and laughing and having, you know, optimistic feelings about you know, about life and that kind of
0: thing. I wonder if there are multiple junctures in one's life. Like you were saying, you know, you, you needed something to escape from at that point. And I wonder, you know, wh- when was the first time in your life that that happened?
2: Well, uh, we were talking about the second rentals record. That was certainly uh, one of those because of the good fortune that Weezer uh, was able to experience. We were able to do um, a good amount of traveling and uh, we didn't. We didn't travel to the to the most. You know, it's it fascinates me now, looking back at it, how limited, in some ways, our travel was in those days because we didn't. We, knew, like, for instance, we were never able to go to South America or many other, uh, you know, countries. We never, you know, when we never went to 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 Russia or we never went to to Africa or we never went to. We, we did. There was many many places we didn't go, but. But for the first time in my life, I was able through uh, our group to do some traveling and to interact with other cultures and to to feel uh, a different sense of, you know, your limited scope you have when you're a kid. And when I was a, when I was a, uh, probably, I probably started thinking I was a musician when I was probably 14 years old classic thing of just like having a tennis racket and standing in front of a mirror and you know whatever lip syncing to whatever was going on you know or further back than that my father giving me the you know a copy of sergeant peppers and they have my parents had this bed with these wooden posts where you could take the you know the top of the the post off you know uh and you could use that as like a a a microphone kind of you know bounce up and down and pretend like, you know, you're in the Beatles or something. Um, but, you know, so as far as back as I can, can remember, I, you know, I felt like a musician, but I was living in Virginia and maybe the, you know, f- probably since I was 14, 13, 14 years old, I had kind of dreamed of escaping Virginia getting a, as far away from my, my upbringing, be able to figure out who, you know, figure out who you are and become a musician. And I kind of proclaimed that I was one well before I had even known how to play anything. Uh, and, but with that always came the idea of escaping, but the, the the place of, that I, I thought of that, uh, the furthest place I could think of in the entire world, was Los Angeles, you know, or mm. California, you know? I couldn't yeah. even. There was no way I could even really sort of try to get my mind around what, uh, you know, what Japan was, or what Australia was, or what England was, or whatever, you know. So that was the that was the thing I had in my mind, and I kept there. I'm I'm breaking out of this joint, and I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to California, right? Yeah. So by the time Weezer was, uh, you know, doing well enough that we could travel the world all of that was that kind of an awakening. And that was that experiences that I wanted to do that album with European engineers, for instance. I wanted them to record, I wanted the album to be recorded in a way that uh, that from their perspective. I mean, I didn't know if it would be any different or not, but I'd always felt that those albums had a different sound and a different feeling. Um, and you know, it's probably from everything from the environment to the upbringing, to the microphones, to the engineers, it's all one big collaboration. Uh, but that I wanted some piece of that. So it was important to me that the engineers that we used, uh, were like that. So for instance, on seven more minutes, the main engineer was, uh, my friend, Andy Wilkinson, uh, who worked on Loveless uh and was um was his engineer for uh the whole follow up album that took like <laughs> twenty years to make. You know, he was uh, uh Kevin Shields uh, engineer for for oh, wow. I think six and a half of the twenty years or whatever it took <sighs> to make the follow up to Loveless. Uh and he had done Some, I believe, some uh, some Stereolab stuff and some I I can't quite remember and some uh, God the Boo Radleys and things like that you know at the time uh, in the mid nineties and so that was a thought of you know okay these are records that I love that are being made by you know people from different backgrounds. And I want that, that was something that was important to me. So that was one of those experiences. That was the, one of those dividing lines of, of, or whatever, or, of just saying, okay, I want to try a different approach and I want to do this, uh, take this differently. But I think this album is the, I don't know, this is the, the album where I feel most able to like let go of the reins to a degree and work you know with people in a way that allows them to uh, express themselves a little m- more freely without overseeing every single tiny detail and over micromanaging them and sort of kind of uh, removing their voice you know you know sometimes you have you can do that where you can just be in love with a certain musician and w- want them to contribute to something but then, when they're contributing, you you're you're uh, trying to overly guide them into what you want, and then somewhere in there, they sort of lose their individuality or their you know the right. thing that the thing that you love about them. Uh, that's probably true on uh, on on that album. Uh, I had was working with a bunch of different people, and and in many cases, I was probably kind of removing their. Uh, I worked on that record through you know such a meticulous detail that it I think at some point probably took away some of that that spirit. But
0: to put this in context, to put this to put this all in, you know, to to put like a start in this, I suppose, in the collaborations that were happening within yourself. Can you remember the first Weezer band practice and what your life was around then?
2: That's that's a real easy one, because. Uh, our first band practice—it's just something that's glued glued into all our heads because our first band practice was on Valentine's Day. So whenever Valentine's Day rolls around, I always get reminders from uh, folks that are, are are nice enough to like support us. That uh, you know, hey, Happy Weezer Day, and that kind of thing. Um, and you know the the thing that was happening just for me in my life just prior to that uh was I I told you about that the the silly thing about you know the german <laughs> the german speaking woman in a tennis store and after uh, somewhere after that moment I started doing this thing where I would get a job uh that you know a, a very low paying minimum wage job and I would save up enough money I did this twice uh and I've told these stories before but I would save up enough money to get uh an Amtrak a train ticket uh, that would have like multiple stops on it uh, and I guess what it was was I was at that age where uh, I'm not college educated and uh, you, when people uh, at my age at that point would be doing a lot of the sort of uh, Euro rail sort of experience you know backpacking mm-hmm. across Europe and the sort of, uh, before sunrise, uh, kind of, <laughs> kind of, uh, idea of life. And, uh, since I couldn't quite dream that big, I guess, or, or was maybe a little too intimidated to go, uh, you know, to not have any friends and travel in Europe alone, I would save up and I would get these uh, train tickets to travel across America. And, you know, you get four stops out of it. You could kind of milk the system for four, maybe like six if you did this and that and whatever. So I would just go and get on a train and our trains are incredibly slow. So you're just like, you're putt-putting across the country and then you could, you know, stop at a city where you might have a friend that has a, you know, that has a room for the night and kind of get out, walk around their city, get back on the train, go to the next place, whatever. Uh, So just prior to uh, Weezer starting, Uh, I was do I was on my second one of those and it gave you an an immense amount of time to just, because the trains were so slow to just sit in one place, uh, you know, read, uh, read novels and try to, you know, get your sense of what you want to be. At the time I was reading quite a bit of Henry Miller, uh, which all feeds into that romanticism about leaving the U S and discovering, uh, other cultures and, uh, and that kind of thing, so I was reading a lot of Henry Miller and and you know the the shortest Dostoevsky book I could possibly read just so I could say I've read some of his <laughs> you know like some short stories and feel like I was like uh, you know uh, an intellectual or something like that probably not understanding any of it uh, and listening to um, a ton of music uh, kind like of a little cassette uh, Walkman kind of thing. Uh, and just trying to figure out where do I fit in this uh, world and what is the path forward? And on that uh, second uh, trip, as I was coming back towards, I was coming from east to, to west, going, going from New York to, uh, to Los Angeles with stops in New Orleans and so forth, and, and maybe in Colorado, and then finally coming to uh, Los Angeles god i was listening to a ton of pixies uh, and there's just that thing where you don't know exactly what it means but you, you just kind of go the answer is you know the answer is in within here somewhere uh, maybe it's bossa nova the album that um, they that there's an individual picture of each member of the group but they're dressed quite uh, all quite normally you know they just have sort of uh, uh, very moderate kind of clothes on, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I think, except for maybe Joey, has uh, a cowboy outfit on or something. But they they just looked like, oh, that that resonates with me. There was something about the 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 sound of the music and the way that they were like posed and the kind of no nonsense version of it. It wasn't there wasn't uh y- any cross-processing, which was done on all that 90s photography of Nirvana and all that stuff, where it kind of makes everything look a little bit psychedelic and a little bit, the colors are a little bit enriched and all that sort of thing. Um, And here was this, just really just giving it to you a very plain thing. They they just look like very average, boring, normal people. You know, they didn't look like rock stars. They didn't look like whatever. And the music connected with me tremendously. So I was thinking that as we were, as the train was coming across, and I, I had no money uh, at this point. And I would, you know, it's one of these things where you would spend a couple dollars and get a couple muffins, and then like break off little pieces of the muffins as you were like to like kind of sustain yourself because the trains were so damn slow, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so you would just eat like a half a muffin a day or whatever it was. It was really funny. And I get to a train station in uh, LA and Pat uh, Wilson met me there, uh, the drummer of Weezer. And he gave me a cassette of uh, songs that he had been working on uh, with our old roommate, which was Rivers. Cause the Pat and Rivers and I lived together before we for a short period before. And we never, we didn't, uh, the three of us didn't make music together, but, uh, he, he said, Hey, I've been working on these songs with rivers. And I still had uh, a 12, 13 hour train ride uh, back to Northern California. So I took his cassette and went on the train and listened to it on the way up there. And there was a few songs that, that kind of that thing that I told you about where uh, songwriters write things that don't sound like songs. Then one day they do, right? <laughs> one day yeah. it's like, oh my God, whatever. Rivers was somebody I live with, and he was writing those things that I probably didn't consider songs, and I wasn't able to do them either. So it's no, uh, it's not a put-down on his uh, abilities, but I mean, he was doing the same thing that I was doing, just trying to figure out who he was. And then all of a sudden Pat hands me this tape, and these things that were on the tape sounded like songs.
0: Do you remember which tracks
2: they were? Uh, it probably would have been uh, The World Has Turn might have been on there as possible uh the sweater song might have been on there uh mixed in with a bunch of junk that probably didn't sound like songs you know or we're just trying like we like everybody tries Mm -hmm. but there was a few things that sort of just sounded uh like something i would listen to like that i had been listening to on this whole on this on this whole long train ride and uh, and it blew my mind, <laughs> you know, yeah. that somebody that, that uh, these two guys that I knew had actually done something that sounded like that you would actually listen to, you know, uh, because like I think most musicians know, you know, you go out and you support your friends and you go to their shows and you do their little things. And none of it, you know, you can be supportive and you can say, oh, he has a nice voice or oh, they whatever. But it doesn't actually sound like stuff that you would listen to when you get home. You know, yeah. even if it's, even if it's in the same, uh, genre or whatever, or style or kind of music, you could go, uh, do that. And here was something that he, that I played and it's just like, listen to it. And, and it immediately you go, I want to hear that again. And that's just not something you would say with any of, uh, I would never have said with any of my own mu- music or with any of the prior music that I had heard from Pat or the prior music that I had heard from rivers or whatever. And then there were these songs and it was immediately, uh, since I'd already been having this conversation with my, uh, internally with myself on the train, it was immediately like, uh, a light switch sort of moment or no brainer kind of thing where I was like, yeah, this is exactly what, (laughs) what, uh, the conclusion that I sort of had, come to so were you writing bass lines in your head listening to that cassette oh I you know I I think I was just swept up in the that thing of that's like a that that feeling of having your friends being able to write something that sounds like music uh is like somewhat of a like just like of a miracle you know it mm. feels it feels like just like yeah I don't know. It's just it's a it was a i it was a very it was a very, <laughs> very uh, eye opening moment for me. You know, a revolutionary sort of thing. Not that the music is so revolutionary that it's like oh, this is the I've never heard anybody sound like this. In fact, it probably sounded the the thing I probably connected with was that it sounded somewhat like the Pixies, and that they were that they were able to figure out something that sounded like something that i truly loved you know mm. uh and it, it and i'm sure if i heard those things today it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, sound like like a spot-on thing and of course it just takes time where you you have to you know find your own own voice and uh figure out it we at that point that was I'm, I'm going to say that was probably like two songs out of like 50 songs or something, you know, that were like that, or however many songs could fit on a 90 minute cassette, you know, or whatever they were writing a ton and there was all sorts of uh, stuff in there. And it probably, you know, most of it was a big mess. I know when we started those first rehearsals, it, it was like that, you know, the stuff was, there were, there were little things that like there were little glimmers of hope, uh, amongst a lot of stuff that is like, you know, it's that thing where it doesn't really sound like, it doesn't really sound like music in some way. I don't know. or, yeah. or, or, or it doesn't sound like I, it's, it's just not fully formed. Yeah. Uh, and when, when we started, uh, we, none of us were formed, fully formed. Pat didn't really know how he was going to approach both songwriting. Cause he's a guitar player as well. Yeah. Uh, and drumming, uh, and he had things that really informed us of, of how we wanted to approach things, but it was just little bit by little bit. And River's voice was very gravelly, probably you know, with a very affected, with a because he was a he was just beginning to become a a singer, and he was uh, likely very insecure about being a singer because I don't think he had ever thought of himself as any sort of a potential front man or whatever. Uh, so you know uh, you know i think when rivers started singing he started singing with a kind of husky gravelly thing awful sounding i'm sure you know if i had to hear it again but probably trying to emulate things that were coming out of uh you know uh, seattle and probably in the meanwhile i was probably had everything with a British accent because you yeah, have these big, yeah. you know, these big vowel sounds that are just big and open and they, it feels like you, you know, and I just did not know how to sing. And I think anything that I did probably, uh, had that affect to it. And then just over time, you, you know, whatever you start to find, you just got, you put in the work and you, uh, uh, we were very, uh, unified in that kind of, uh, uh, uh Rivers and I of and and Pat as well of being just very no nonsense about what we had to do we didn't have any preconceived notions that we were uh doing anything particularly special we much to the contrary we just sort of had a lower opinion of ourselves than anybody else possibly could have had as a kind of a defense mechanism to say you can't put us down further than we can put ourselves down, you know? Uh, and uh, so we just said, we know nothing, you know, and just kind of went at it like that. And then just rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and played, played a show once a week until we've uh, found, you know, until it, till it took shape until we found our voice. You know? Do you remember the day
0: that it became a full-time job?
2: Uh, yeah, that, that, essentially that day that he handed me the cassette on the train you know wow. uh, once i talked to rivers and he said you're in it was my total focus my total center of my life uh uh without without any question it was it was a thing that once i, I got off that train uh up in oakland and then i lived in this place called el cerrito probably you know you get on a another little uh, connecting uh, metro car and you get home and I immediately got on the phone with Rivers and said I I am this uh, because Pat said they were looking for a bass player and it said I you know I am that person and whatever there's like yeah. you're, that's there's just no uh there's no uh there's no no in this story like i'm coming down i'm moving and i just moved uh, almost instantly uh from northern california to to los angeles and just went to work you know with whatever mm-hmm. we had to do all the steps it was just the absolute it was it was the you know focus and and meaning of my life basically from from that point forward music has been that way whether it's the rentals or or the music that we did with Weezer back then or uh whatever it's been the the thing the the reason to get up in the morning and the thing that gives you an ability to say to to ease your anxiety of like i have some place to <laughs> i have some place to go in the future there's right. a you know i'm marching towards Whatever it is, this next album or this uh, next project or this uh, next collaboration or, or whatever you're trying to create, Weezer. I
0: imagine at the start when everything was happening, obviously that must have been a you know a wild ride, some kind of roller coaster. And then and then moving you know beyond that and your departure and and you know having the rentals as as your thing, because because writing music is is such like a you know obviously it's a purely creative endeavor. Um, have you found it's hard to be creative you know every day?
2: No. It's 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 rare, but if I'm in a in a situation where I'm being asked, um, do you have any advice for so and so about being you know, uh, my mother would call me up and say, oh, my friend's uh, son or my friend's grandson or whatever it wants to become a musician. Do you have any advice for them, or mm-hmm. or if it's through an interview like yours, um, if that answer comes up, I usually say I don't really because I just think if you're going to do it uh, you don't, you don't need any inspiration for it. It's just in you. At least it was for me. There wasn't some big thing that inspired me or some big thing that, uh, encouraged me to do it or a figure in my life that, that, you know, like that. I mean, I was supported, uh, by my father to, to, go wherever I was, you know, to be a searcher and to go and to find find whatever it is I was going to do in life. But as far as writing, I, I, I would be a writer if Weezer had never been successful or if we had, you know, whatever the s- situation would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the rentals had been crazy successful uh, beyond anything, I would have to write. If they would never have done anything, I imagine I would have to write. You know, whatever. If if I had if I had a day job doing something else, I would. Uh, you know, my uh, my father when he was oh god, probably about my father died when he was in uh, his uh, um, mid to late seventies. Uh, and but when he was probably around, I want to say around sixty five, he said, "Hey, I have something to send you." And I was like, uh, okay. And it was very rare that my father would uh, send me anything. And he said, "Oh, what's your address?" And I give him the address, and a week later, or so this huge manuscript shows up, like <laughs> this like four hundred page novel shows up at my door, you know. But like, you know, not in uh, not in uh, published form, right? And just in in uh, you know, uh, you know, on typewriter paper, essentially yeah, yeah. Uh, this this massive, 400 page novel. And I call him up and I'm like, uh, what the hell is this? So <laughs> you no, know? like, oh, it's, it's my first, uh, it's my first novel. And I'm like, well, you know, and he was working, um, uh, full time, uh, traveling. Uh, he worked, uh, a, uh, he worked for like an economic consulting firm that helped, uh, Train systems this is very uh, boring, but I'll, he he helped train systems in uh, countries that were impoverished essentially. So he was traveling across the world in uh, in in poor parts of Russia, in Georgia, uh, in Africa, in uh, Indonesia, uh, and helping with these uh, in in South America and doing on that traveling you know whatever across and he lived in charlotte north carolina and he had that uh, was his home base uh from tra- in between traveling to all these places and i'm like when the hell did you have time you know to to write this and he said oh you know before work and i was like what do you mean before work and it's like oh, i'll get up at six and write from six to eight or whatever it is and then go into work you know uh wow. and It's it's to me writing is sort of like that, you know. Mm. He's doing all those things. Has all nobody, you know, nobody's uh, asking my father to write a novel. There's there's nobody encouraging him to do it. Uh, He has a full uh, thing that's on his uh, that takes up his, you know, ninety percent of his time, uh, plus a wife and everything and all those regular life things, Uh, and yet he finds a time to you know, uh, knock out this very, uh, intricate novel, uh, that, that was a combination of our family's history and being a fictional, uh, piece. Um, and that's kind of how I think about writing for anybody. You're just going to find a way to do it if you need to do it. Uh, and you won't need anybody to tell you this is good or, or this is, bad even no matter what feedback you get if it's positive positive or negative you're going to do it i mean my initial feedback as a writer was so negative <laughs> you know and yeah. uh, so many people are like uh, are you sure you should be you know whatever uh and uh, the first rental songs that i ever wrote was while we were working on the blue album uh and i i had given them to the uh, person that had signed us and he was just like, "This is awful," <laughs> you know. Oh, wow. So, uh, and he basically like, uh, you know, stick to your day job and focus on Weezer and focus on playing bass and do whatever. Uh, but uh, you know, this is this is just god awful. I don't even know what to say about this. This is a this isn't music, you know, whatever. Uh, and those are the same songs. All, all those the songs that he was listening to were the same songs that ended up being our first album. Uh, and i'm not saying he was wrong uh but but it didn't discourage me maybe he is right you know and i'm going to i put the that album on what what i had given to him on the shelf for a, uh, for a little bit and just thought about it for a while uh you know with criticism i usually think with most negative criticism there's some truth in it and it's worthwhile to uh, to, you know, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to make everything a reaction to it and you don't have to change your life to, you know, based on it, but I'm not, I, I don't find negative, uh, uh, criticisms, uh, unhealthy, uh, Weezer had nothing but negative. Uh, I was our manager because that's what bass players do when you're, cause you have so little to do. Uh, that uh, I I was the person that kind of guided us and tried to, you know, Rivers and I uh, sort of were a, a team in that way, but, you know, to figure out what path we should be going on and, or, you know, and just trying to keep us focused, trying to figure, figure out, uh, you know, are we going down this way or this or this way? And do we want to be associated with these people or those people or whatever it is. Um, and throughout that, I, I was the one that heard the brunt of the negative, uh stuff of oh yeah we know <laughs> like are like is a good example 4AD is like oh good lord we were you know they 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 had told me this is far too american for us we will n- we'd never sign anything like this you know this and i basically very, very super dismissive of it uh and that stuff doesn't do d- did doesn't do anything to me but go like okay how much of that what what's the validity in that uh But also it doesn't really matter. You got to just march on and find and figure out your, you know, so when Weezer's, uh, A&R person, the the person that signed us to our, our record deal told me that what I was doing was not worth the time of day. I greatly respected him. And he's still a friend to this day. Um, but it made me go, Okay. Uh, maybe there's some truth in that and my singing was god awful uh i've always had uh, I- issues with pitch uh but back in those days it was just i there was something about that um that movement um that of music of of the early and mid 90s was the thought of uh doing anything uh like taking a vocal lesson <laughs> or anything like that <laughs> was considered To be, you know, you wouldn't be real, you know. Uh, There was so much much posturing with being authentic, you know, Uh, Mm. and that things like the idea of taking a vocal lesson would have been thought to have not been authentic. So if you can't sing in tune, then that's authentic, you know, and that's how it should be. Uh, And, you know, you're being real and you're being whatever, you're putting yourself out there. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, boy, I could have used a vocal lesson uh, in, <laughs> in those days. It would have it would have saved me uh, so much pain and so much frustration and so much struggle uh, that you know that that I have both with Weezer and the early Rentals recordings. And uh, it was only until Q thirty six until I felt until I've actually felt like I understand how to sing and who I am and, you know, feel like, a like, uh, feel like a a realized performer or something or whatever. I feel like I know who I am and I, and I feel better equipped to, not that I don't have a ton to learn, but I feel like I'm able to express myself in a way now that's much more, uh, uh, much more authentic, I guess. So that's, so that comes back to that thing. So basically the, the whole thing just wraps up to no matter what anybody tells you, you're going you're gonna to do it anyways. No matter if they say you're the, you're the bee's knees or you're the worst thing since whatever, uh, you're going to just do it. If you have to do it, you're going to do it. And you don't need me or anybody else to tell you, yeah, you can do it. You're just going to do it. You know, Matt, thanks
0: so much for chatting to me. Just to wrap this up, are, are there any careers alongside music that, that you've thought, oh, maybe I should, you know, have a punt at that or... Have you had any things that you, you have done throughout these years that maybe not many people know about?
2: Well, um, the thing that I that I have thought about uh, is when I was uh, when I was a high school student, I was uh, I, I was trying as quick uh, as quickly as I could to get out of school to take my rightful place as a, <laughs> as a whatever, as a California musician, I guess, was the was the thought. But I just wanted out. I wanted out as quick as I could possibly get out. One of the ways that I was able to do that was take a course uh, for film and television. And it was like this big, long three-hour class and it earned you a million credits and you were able to like kind of get through school a little quicker. Uh, and, you know, I took that to, to make some... my my final thesis was to make some uh, Black Sabbath uh, tribute video or something like that, you know, Um, and something silly. And, uh, but the one thing I had had thought about through the way that the rentals work, because it's not, uh, the rentals are not a traditional group like Weezer or like many other groups. Uh, Every time we go into an album, the reason it's not a Matt Sharp solo album is because I collaborate with, you know, a ton of uh, different people who all color the record and change the record. So it's, it is a group uh, effort, you know, and it is, it's not one voice. So that's why I've always considered it to be, even though I'm the common, the only common thread through all of the music, the other people that uh, contribute like on this album, Uh, Nick Zenner played guitar from the EAAS and it started. Yeah. It's This album started from Nick and it was the, it was a collaboration that I've had wanted to to do for some time. uh, And it just happened that the themes of these songs resonated with him. Um, But since he's used to doing more abstract music, because uh, the yes is usually like the most commercial thing that he does and the things he does outside of that are usually uh, more just just more abstract um, so when we went into this album I played him probably nearly all 50 songs and the, the thing I told him is I want him to be uh, the person that chooses what we work on I that would that would be one of those uh very significant ways of just letting go of the reins of saying it's important to me that you have your voice throughout this whole album and that the album is something that i don't feel like i'm forcing you into any particular uh, uncomfortable situation where a particular song doesn't resonate with him but he's going to struggle through it and just do it anyways i said you're going to be the one who picks it so you have some feeling of uh, that you can express yourself in a natural way and be connected to this song. So he picked all of the music on Q36. Um, and I don't even know what the question was.
0: <laughs> Is, are, are you were talking about film school and like... Oh,
2: sorry, sorry, sorry. So what I was going to say was... Because uh, the rentals isn't for dudes uh, in a van going from place to place, whatever, and has been this thing where you're intersecting with people like Nick or um, this album, the drummer from the Killers uh, played drums, or Dave Fridman who mixed it, or the other albums with uh, you know with uh, with Damon or with the other folks, uh, Tim Wheeler and different folks that contributed to uh, Seven More Minutes. Uh, the feeling has always been that. It's a, going into each album, there's a little sense of uh, a, that this is a movie, you know, uh, that this is that you're sort of pitching uh, uh, an idea of what the overall theme is and the feeling is and what we're trying to aim towards and what the story is about. If it was sort of the idea with the record I made in London of that, um, that kind of hedonistic feeling of discovering new cultures and that liberation and that feeling, it was just, it was describing that to the folks that I was working with and trying to create that together. And that is certainly the case with Q36. And that, when, when I'm in the, that, er, those early stages with those uh, collaborators, it always feels more like a, uh, what I imagine what a director's role is in, in a film. Um, And so that, that would be my answer is that I I could see myself in uh, being in that, in that kind of, uh, in that role, in that, in that way of sort of getting people, um, you know, enthusiastic about something and getting them to, to be there. And, and as like with most independent films, there's no money, everybody's working for, um, you know whatever the 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 minimal amount cuz they just want to be a part of something that's interesting and has a and has a has a story that they want they wish to be a part of and wish to be able to tell and wish to be able to contribute to the rentals stuff is all like that because we're a very small group it's we have a very small following uh but I'm able to speak with these extraordinary people that have much have much bigger fish to fry or whatever you want to say, and could be other places doing, you know, other extraordinary things and playing in front of a bazillion people or whatever, but they choose to, to, you know, be a part of these stories that, that I'm, that I'm trying to like bring together. Uh, And that feels often like that, you know, it feels like what I think of it, what the feeling must be for an independent film director to say, Hey, I want this, actor who's a you know who shouldn't you know be working for scale (laughs) but i you know but but they have to go out there and convince convince that that actor that that uh this is a story that you know uh, should resonate with them and i uh, that's sort of how i feel with uh within the rentals music that uh that that's my role
0: matt thank you so much i think an hour is absolutely perfect for a podcast episode
2: awesome that's great
0: go back to the dole queue please don't tell Pete from the pub because he'll judge me but I don't mind I've been paying my taxes on time I'm not central not essential I've never worked for the NHS yeah I've clapped hands and I beat pants Put away the kitchen utensils now Don't let your P45 give you chills Because we need jobs We need 101 part-time jobs